What's going on, guys? In today's podcast, I am going to make the case to try and, um, I guess, add some perspective to the fact that we often will talk ourselves out of a good fantasy player, particularly a running back, when we see anybody that is anything decent in terms of their backup, right? Like, for example, uh, you know, a lot of the pushback I'm getting on Jonathan Taylor right now is, is yeah, man, but Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack are going to eat into his workload. It's like, you know, Jonathan Taylor last year played 50% of the snaps for, for Indianapolis. 50%. He touched the ball almost 300 times, right? And that was as a rookie. You know, he caught 36 of 39 targets and, um, which is pretty outrageous, right over 90%. You know, so I think that when we, when we think about this, right, Jonathan Taylor played 50% of the snaps. We think you would, if I told you that that was going to happen this year without you knowing this information already, you'd probably be like, no, he can't, you know, I wouldn't draft that guy in the first round. Well, the fact of the matter is this, he was the RB seven last year from a, in, in half PPR scoring format playing 50% of the snaps. You know who played even less than 50% of the snaps? A dude in Cleveland named Chubb. Nick Chubb played 49% of the snaps. And I'm not talking about total snaps, meaning like if he was to miss, which he missed a few games, if he, you know, those games, we're not holding those against him to, to bring down that average. I'm talking about games that he actually played in, right? He totaled 49% of the snaps. Kareem Hunt played in 51% of the snaps. Right. I mean, I think we, we'd all agree Chubb is the superior, you know, or or the guy to own in Cleveland. Right. If you're going to own if you're just ranking the Cleveland Browns running backs as it pertains to fantasy, you're going to have Chubb at one. You know, even even if even if their snap counts remain the same this year. Right. Go ahead. Let Cream Hunt play those extra snaps. I'll take Chubb. You know, Clyde Edwards, he played 58 percent of the snaps. I mean, we can all agree that. Clyde was pretty ineffective in terms of fantasy down the stretch of last season. So um, anyways, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to talk about kind of some some um, running back tandems and which of those I prefer as values this year uh, for as it pertains to fantasy football, of course. And um, just kind of talk about the value at the running back position as it stands basically in totality anyway. So uh, the one that's interesting to me right away is Denver, right? The situation with Melvin Gordon and newly drafted rookie um, Javante Williams, UNC guy. I love him. I think he's a really good player. When you look at Melvin Gordon, okay, last year you have to remember Melvin Gordon had uh, Philip Lindsay there last year. Now, Philip Lindsay didn't play as much as he usually does last season for whatever reason. I think they were kind of both on the same page that they wanted to move on. But Melvin Gordon last year, in his first year in Denver, played 62% of the snaps. That's that's a pretty high number, right? Um, Melvin Gordon's ADP this year is round five. Javante Williams is like round five or six, right? Um, the mistake I think some of us could make is to say, well, look at what Lindsey did last year. That's what you're going to get from Javante Williams this year. No, 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 no. This dude... The Denver Broncos traded up into the second round, top 30, what was he, 34th overall, 35th overall pick. You know, they traded up to get him. The fact that this coaching staff in their um, 
early on in their tenure as, as the Broncos coaching staff, Vic Fangio and company, they uh, clearly didn't like playing Phil. They didn't want to feature Philip Lindsay, right? So they let him walk per his request. And, and Lindsay's now in Houston, which I think he'll be a good player there. But the point is, they tr- then they traded up for another big bruising running back in Javante Williams. So I think that, you know, something you're going to hear me talk a whole lot about when it comes to fantasy is the word intent, right? If it's a new regime, what's their intent? What's the evidence that we can gather to determine their intent? Because, you know, a big part of the value in fantasy football, especially at the running back position and receiver position as well, is how much is the guy, the word volume is very important, right? How much is that guy going to be on the field? How much is he going to be involved in the play? So as a running back, we just told you, Melvin Gordon was down in the 62% range of snaps last year, which is a very high number. Melvin Gordon this year has a fifth round ADP, which I think just on the surface seems like pretty good value. Javante Williams, I think, is like late fifth, early sixth in terms of ADP. And I could even see that slipping a little bit because there will be some Melvin Gordon, just my opinion, there will be some slowly rising of Melvin Gordon stock. And not too much because, again, there is another running back there that they drafted pretty high. But I think that... If by the time we draft, if we can get Javante Williams in the seventh round, I think as opposed to Melvin Gordon in the fifth, I think that is far and away the better value. I think that Javante Williams could be this year's Jonathan Taylor. And I I mean, I really do. Like Melvin Gordon at times in his career has had some, you know, little nagging injuries and kind of has not necessarily always been available, right? I think that the reason I'm mentioning that is because that's basically what happened last year in Indianapolis, right? Marlon Mack goes down. I mean, yeah, Marlon Mack goes down. Um, Jonathan Taylor kind of slowly but surely starts playing better. Taylor wasn't playing well last year early on. Then he started to really dominate down the stretch. But the point I'm making is that could very well be this a similar story in Denver. So when it comes down to which value do I like more, Melvin Gordon in round five, Javante Williams in round uh, five or six, just call it round six. I think that it's clearly Javante Williams in round six. I mean, it clearly, because number one, his floor is going to be a guy that's touching the ball 10 to 15 times a game, in my opinion, right? So that's his floor. His ceiling is basically second half of the season, Jonathan Taylor. You know, I I think that he has, um, he can really catch the football maybe even more so than Jonathan Taylor coming into last year's draft, although Taylor did catch the ball very well at Wisconsin his last year there. But the point I'm making is Javante can really catch the football. Like he has, He's going to be a legitimate um, receiving threat, even as a rookie. And he is a big, powerful kid. And I would argue at this point, and this is going to be the same kind of argument I'll make in a lot of cases, at this point in his career versus where Melvin Gordon is at this point as an athlete, as an ex- just with pure explosiveness, I think Javante Williams is going to be a guy that's going to be hard to keep off the field because when he touches it and when he explodes up into that line and, and into the second level and beyond, it's 
going to look different. It's going to feel different. The defense is going to feel more threatened. The um, offense for the Broncos is going to feel more optimistic. You know, it's just going to be a feel difference, right? So I think slowly but surely, we're going to see Javante Williams move um, into the, you know, I'm not sure what the snap counts will indicate because Melvin Gordon probably has a lot more uh, pass protection trust with the coaching staff. But I think that in terms of usage, we're going to see a, a little bit more of a 60-40 Javante Williams over Melvin Gordon from that standpoint. So, yeah, uh, Javante Williams is my guy here in Denver. The Jaguars have an interesting situation with their tandem of running backs, right? You got James Robinson. and James Robinson last year, I, you know, I don't want this to be kind of swept under the rug, right, because of the fact that they drafted a running back in the first round in Travis Etienne. James Robinson was phenomenal last year. Literally was phenomenal. You know, he really was. Played 617 snaps, almost 70% of, of uh, snaps. And again, this is, not, this is not inflated or deflated by anything weird. This is just of the games he was active and on the football field. You know, he played 69% of the snaps, right? Um, that's like top seven or wait, it was about seventh, I believe, in terms of just snap share. Okay, he was extremely productive. He was awesome all year long. Where it's interesting is Travis Etienne was, and, and imagine this, like the, the difference in stigma of Travis Etienne being drafted in the first round versus about 10 or 11 picks later, Javante Williams gets drafted. You know, not, not very far, right? He gets drafted, you know, a handful of picks later, essentially. And I think that's going to really kind of plummet James Robinson's uh, ADP. Right now, as we as it stands today, James Robinson is sitting there with a second or third, late second, early third round ADP, whereas Travis Etienne is sitting there with a fifth, late fifth, sixth round ADP, somewhere in that range. So just like Javante Williams, basically same ADP as him. And then James Robinson, a guy who was a top seven or so, top five back all of last season as it pertains to fantasy is available in late two, early three. So I think that when you look at that, right, and you guys have probably heard me say this by now, so I'm not going to, you know, beat this to death here, but I think just my general, you know, kind of take on this running back situation here is that James Robinson is going to be the Mark Ingram to Travis Etienne's Alvin Kamara. Now, what I need to clarify about that statement is this. Does that mean Travis Etienne is going to have an Alvin Kamara like rookie season from the standpoint of just fantasy points, right? And just dominance. Absolutely not. Alvin Kamara, not only did he uh, maximize his touches from a touchdown standpoint, touchdowns per touch as a rookie, and he's really done that, you know, almost his entire career now, except for a few times in there where he's kind of been a little, you know, not as efficient scoring touchdowns, but I don't think Travis Etienne is going to – because that – let's face it, guys. That rookie year from Alvin Kamara was one of the most dominant and efficient um, displays that we've ever seen from a running back. And I'm not even going to say from a rookie running back because that's too obvious. It was from any running back, right? It was like he was averaging well over six yards a carry, if I remember correctly. He was – he was uh, you know, even had – 
uh, special teams touchdowns, returns, and stuff. So it was like remarkable. We cannot expect Travis Etienne to have that. Now, does that mean that Travis Etienne is not a good value in round five or six? No, I, I absolutely love that. The only curveball in this equation, right, which makes it different than the Denver Broncos equation, is that this is a brand new regime, right? And the fact of the matter is, James Robinson isn't um, highly invested into, right? They didn't just... The previous regime didn't give James Robinson some big contract extension before leaving last year. You know what I mean? So it's he's just a guy that was an undrafted rookie free agent, you know, that played phenomenally well last year. But the fact of the matter is that he does not have any um, – they're, they're not financially obligated to him for any time in the foreseeable future. Now, I think that Urban Meyer and his staff will look at the – the tape from last season and they'll say look i'm gonna let me just be clear with this guys what james robinson did last year was not a fluke it was not because he was force-fed targets or whatever in touches it was because he is really good period he's a really good football player like he is explosive um he doesn't have the game-breaking home run ability uh of a travis etienne you know, or, or of an Alvin Kamara or whatever. But but what he is, is very agile. He's very capable as a receiver. And he can get the tough yards. He's a good player. He really is. I mean, I I had him ranked over A.J. Dillon, just to, you know, to kind of clarify how I felt about him pre-draft in my running back rankings. And I was still obviously low on him, but I thought he was an early day three guy, like third, fourth round fourth round being the early day three part, but you get it. I thought he was right around that range, you know? So maybe I was even higher on him than that. I don't know. Point is I called him a, a poor man's Ezekiel Elliott. I, I think I thought that was kind of my comp for him. He's very similar stylistically to Ezekiel Elliott, but all that being said, there is some unknown in the fact that it's a new regime, you know, even though I think they'll, They'll look at the tape from last year and they'll say, hey, James was awesome. You know, do I necessarily want to spend a second round pick on James Robinson this year? I don't know, man. I, I think that it could become an of awesome value if you do. But I also think it could become a, you know, a disaster. So <clears throat> for my personal preference on this situation i think i'm leaning toward travis Etienne simply because intent that word intent we don't know it's not that we it's not that we know the intent of james robinson and we don't like it it's that we don't know the intent with james robinson at all and we do know that this new regime just spent a first round pick on travis Etienne. you know i think that my my gut instincts tells me that James Robinson will be plenty involved. You know, I think it'll be 55-45 in favor of Robinson as touches. But even if I'm right about that, I'd still have to lean toward Travis Etienne as the value. And I know that Urban Meyer wants one of those sort of like receiver running back hybrids, and that's another reason why he wanted Kadarius Tony. I think that we're going to see some of that usage being deployed for Travis Etienne. You know, I think that you'll see these two guys on the field together 
oftentimes, you know, in, in terms of a personnel package with both of them on the field. Maybe Travis Etienne going in motion, James Robinson lined up as running back, and shovel pass the ATN, things like that. So there's a lot of stuff you can do off of that. But I think that's kind of what we'll see. But again, Travis Etienne in round five or six versus James Robinson around two or three, I'm, I'm taking ATN. And I'm not super comfortable in that, but I think that just because it's, you know, considerably cheaper several rounds later, um, and because we don't know the intent on James Robinson, I'm not so sure um, how high his floor is for a second round pick, third round pick. That's kind of the reason why I lean ever so slightly toward Travis Etienne in terms of the better value. If I had to bet on who's going to have a who's who's going to have more production next year, it'd be James Robinson. You know, but again, for the for the price, I'm leaning toward Travis Etienne. When you talk about the Cleveland Browns, this one is interesting. I already kind of spoiled a piece of this analyzation here. The uh, Browns last year, Kareem Hunt played more snaps than Nick Chubb. And I'm talking percentage while they were in there, not, you know, because Chubb missed games. I'm not talking about raw snap count. I'm talking about just, um, you know, percentage of snaps. So Chubb played 49%, Hunt played 51%. So the question becomes, would you rather have Chubb in round one, of course, or Kareem Hunt in what is a new and um, revamped ADP for him as opposed to last year? I believe it was round six last year, and I was all in on Hunt. It's now round four, and really earlier part of round four. So this one's pretty easy. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. The answer is Nick Chubb. You know, number one, Nick Chubb, over his career now has been one of the most efficient runners to to bust runs of 20 plus yards even 40 plus yards right he is last year he was second in runs of 20 plus yards and he, and he missed several games you know um he's a guy that has deceptive speed he is a home run hitter at 220 plus pounds like he can take it the distance i mean i, I off the top of my head, I think I recall him scoring like 90-yard touchdown before. You know, for a 220, 230-pound running back, that's that's like unheard of almost. You know, it's not normal. Of course, you're going to think Derrick Henry, and you know, Derrick Henry's a freak. He's not normal either. So that's kind of my point with this. But in terms of just which value do I like more out of these two guys, it's definitely Nick Chubb. I'm hoping Kareem Hunt – his, I'm hoping that his ADP slowly dips down a little bit simply because um, I'd like to have him on my team, whether I have Chubb or not. But at round four, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm not so sure I love that simply because when you look at Kareem Hunt and what he did last year, right, he was awesome, you know. But the thing about it is I don't think – I think he slightly overachieved last year. And – and that's from someone who was really high on him because what Chubb was, I mean, uh, Hunt was like, let's see where he ranked last year. I can look it up real quick. Kareem Hunt last year was, and just pure fantasy points, was the RB8. The RB8. Nick Chubb was the RB11, but of course, Chubb only played 11 games. Hunt played 15. So I think that Kareem Hunt is going to still be, you know, very good this year, but I just don't think he's going to have the same type of efficiency from the fantasy points per touch 
standpoint. Like, I just think that, you know, Chubb is, if they both play the same amount of games, Chubb is going to touch the ball more. And Chubb is also a more dynamic player. You know, Hunt is just kind of steady, moving the, you know, just moving the pile a couple yards here, a couple yards. He's going to get positive yards, but it's not going to be as dynamic as, as Nick Chubb. And, um, yeah, I mean, I would just, of those two, even for the value, I prefer Chubb. If that cream hunt value dips down to or ADP dips down to around six, now I might I might be more. I think I'd like I'd lean more towards Hunt in that in that conversation. All right, this one is very very interesting to me, and I might surprise you guys with where I go next. The Dallas Cowboys, right? Ezekiel Elliott, um, obviously being their starting running back, and you look at uh, Tony Pollard as their their backup right so the question here in terms of which value is better is ezekiel elliott in round one or two or is it yeah it's it's like late one early two or tony pollard in round eight this one i think is sneaky sneaky almost similar to the browns situation last year where i had chubb ahead of hunt from the for the price right for the value you know in this case, obviously Zeke's their guy, right? And Zeke, to his credit, looked a little bit better last year than he had in previous years. There's a good chance Ezekiel could return significant value for you this year. But in my, in, there's also a chance this could be the passing of the torch year. And it won't happen in week one, two, three, or four. You know, it'll, it'll slowly, similar to what I said about Javante Williams in Denver, right? we're going to just see a more effective player at this point in their careers in Tony Pollard than we are in Ezekiel Elliott, you know, in my opinion. Like, and I also just think Tony Pollard is a guy that sort of reminds me of Aaron Jones. You know how it kind of took Aaron Jones a couple of years in Mike McCarthy's uh, system and, and under his tutelage in Green Bay to really kind of get going. But in his last year there, he did. I think that's kind of what we'll see this year from Tony Pollard. I think we'll see, you know, we'll see in the beginning, it'll be a 70, 30 Ezekiel Elliott, right? And then it'll, I think Tony Pollard will probably be averaging like five and a half yards of carry where Zeke will be averaging like 4.2. And then when they catch the ball, you'll see Tony Pollard doing that really well and being, in my opinion, more efficient than Zeke at that point as well. So I think that we'll slowly see Tony Pollard just kind of his role growing. Right. So if you draft him in the eighth round, you know, and after the first three games, he's got like 10 points. Do not drop him. Wait, patience, because you just what you're betting on is father time, you know, essentially. Right. Like you're betting on the Cowboys coaching staff to see what we're all going to see. And that's no disrespect to Zeke. He's just got a lot of wear and tear on his on his tires. And, and you know, he's just he's taking a lot of damage. And he's not quite the same guy that he used to be, which was the very best running back in the NFL. So I think that we'll slowly but surely by week seven, eight, nine, we'll see more and more and more of Tony Pollard. So I think that if you draft him in the round eight, you have to do it with the understanding that, hey, I may not have a guy here that is going to be startable, you know, for the first month of the season. But I believe... And I'm only drafting him with this kind of belief in mind that he will be over the last month of the season 
over the last month of the season, I think he'll be a high-end RB2. If not, like if anything happens to Zeke and, and Tony Pollard's your guy in Dallas in terms of just being the, the main you know workhorse back there, he's an RB1, flat out, RB1. So I like Tony Pollard in round eight more than I do, even if I got Zeke in round two. At the top of round two, I'd, I'd prefer Pollard, but um, – yeah, it's tough because I, 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 when you change it to round two for Zeke, it had me kind of even sitting here second guessing myself. Like, I love that idea. But again, the only way you win a championship in fantasy is to be good down the stretch, right? So I would rather sit Tony Pollard on the bench for a year. I mean, sorry, for a month than I would to be, to feel like hesitant starting him over the last month of the season. Whereas where I think people that, draft Zeke, I think they'll be in that kind of a predicament later in the season. They'll slowly see his role slipping away. They'll slowly see his effectiveness and just burst and just, you know, dominance as a player slipping away. And every time you see, I mean, nobody likes the feeling of when they, they spent a high draft pick or whatever it was on one running back. And every time you see the backup in there, he just has more juice. You know, I think that's what that's what uh, fantasy owners are going to look at when they see it this year in, in, in Dallas with Zeke and Tony Pollard. So, yeah, I like Tony Pollard better in round eight. Zeke is um, – I like Zeke still. I'd still take him in the second round probably, you know, but, I, but I'd but i have to have Tony Pollard on my roster also. That's, that's kind of my take on that. All right, let's start with the Lions. DeAndre Swift in round two this year because they just cut on Johnson. I'm assuming that's, you know, got something to do with it. Or Jamal Williams in round nine. Now, I am low-key high on Jamal Williams because I think that he kind of uh, resembles everything their head coach talks about. He is the big, powerful, you know, beast of a runner that'll bite your kneecaps and all that kind of stuff. Whereas DeAndre Swift is a guy that is going to be more of a, you know, just a good player, but a guy that's, you know, maybe you're not going to want to feed DeAndre Swift 25, 30 touches a game, in my opinion. Jamal Williams, I think, is a guy that if you want to, you can feed him that much. I think it just so happens that Jamal Williams is playing next to Aaron Jones, who was a really, really good football player, one of the best running backs in the NFL. So I think that this could be a situation, and I even said this, I believe it was like at the end of last year. I said, wherever Jamal Williams goes, he's got – a chance to be a really good player. Like he could be one of the better value. Oh, that's what it was. It was about values at each position. When I did the free agency values at each position, Jamal Williams to me is a guy that could be a legit running back to in this system. And that doesn't mean I don't like Swift. I do, but I think that this will be far closer to a 50, 50 split in terms of work, uh, workload than I think most people realize. Because again, DeAndre Swift's not the guy you want to give 25, 30 touches a game to. He's the guy you want to be right in the 12 to 17 touches per game. And I think we're going to see Jamal Williams be right in that same range. And I think that with this Detroit Lions offensive line, that's low key, pretty good. You know, they drafted Penny Sewell. They're actually a, a pretty formidable unit. Now you see that, right? And, um, I could definitely see Jamal Williams being a guy that that is, you know, like I said, 
high-end flex, low-end RB2, right in that range, kind of where I see him. But yeah, I prefer I prefer Williams in round nine as opposed to Swift in round two because I think that Swift will slowly be creeping up to like the early round two range because nobody's going to respect Jamal Williams, right, in the fantasy community. Like he's never been a dynamic guy, you know, and I don't, I don't think he will be in Detroit either. But I think that, look, he played next to Aaron Jones and the Packers coaching staff could not find reasons to keep him off the field. You know, they really couldn't. They, they trusted him. They trusted him in pass protection. They trusted him as a receiver. They trusted him as a runner. And, you know, I don't think he was necessarily the perfect fit in that offense. In this eat your kneecap offense that Detroit's going to be running, uh, you know, I'm just in that kind of style of that mentality of the head coach. I think this guy's going to fit pretty nicely there. And again, when it comes to just body wise, like who can handle a bigger load, it's him. And I think DeAndre Swift will thrive in a role where he is touching the ball a little bit less. Like this could also be, you know, not to be redundant with this comparison, but this could also be a uh, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara type situation in Detroit. I think that these two guys are similar in uh, in skill sets to, to Kamara and Mark Ingram. Next tandem I want to talk about is the Philadelphia Eagles, right? And this isn't really so much so a tandem that I'm specifically discussing here, but I really just want to take this as an opportunity to um, reinforce the fact that Miles Sanders is the bona fide workhorse running back in Philadelphia. There are fantasy analysts out there that, you know, especially this time of year, I, re- I really think this is what kind of screws us up, right? We're, we're sort of in the middle of like, oh, draft season's over, you know, and now we're waiting on the, uh, you know, fantasy season to really get cranked up where it's just kind of starting now. Um, I've already seen some awful takes as it pertains to Miles Sanders, like someone saying, you know, carry on Johnson is, is a threat to Miles Sanders and, or something along those lines. Basically, let me just say this guys, I know it's a new regime in Philly. I get that, but Miles Sanders is a perfect fit in that offense. He is a, a guy that played 70% of the snaps last year, or maybe it was 69%, one of the two, you know, so he's obviously a guy that has shown he can be on the field seven out of every 10 snaps, right? And on top of that, Kerryon Johnson has not been good in, in, you know, since his rookie season, right? He was a second round pick that the Lions just released. You know, they signed Jamal Williams over him. Um, and while I liked Kerryon Johnson a lot coming out of that draft, and I loved his rookie season, he hasn't been that guy you know and and to be honest with you i don't see much changing here i don't know if carry on johnson's gonna make this team in philly when you look at their depth chart they've got miles sanders boston scott jordan howard kenneth gainwell and carry on johnson to me carry on johnson is a guy that they brought in for competition you know, depth and to kind of kick the tires and see, see what's going on with them, right? It's probably a vet minimum deal or for very little money. And, or maybe they just claimed them. In any case, it's not much money and it's not guaranteed, right? None, none of it is. Like, even if they claimed him, they're only taking on the base salaries and those are not 
guaranteed. So, you know, with carry on Johnson, I like the kid. I hope I'm wrong, but my kind of gut instinct on this particular scenario tells me they didn't bring him in to compete for the starting job. Okay. They brought him in to see if he can get a job. And, you know, somebody else was on Twitter the other day was telling me they'd be more worried about Kenneth Gainwell. You know, you know, that sounds to me similar to you guys. It sounds like when people were high on Darwin Thompson, right? A sixth round pick. Kenneth Gainwell is a fifth round pick um, this of this past draft. And to me, there's no guarantee Kenneth Gainwell makes the team right now. He's probably going to make it because he was a fifth round pick. And by this regime, so the intent tells us he he might make it, right? But the point I'm making is this. Miles Sanders was drafted in the second round by Howie Roseman. He has played well. Like, there have been times where you look at what Miles Sanders has done, and it's been like, whoa, this could be special kind of well, right? It's not just a little bit well. It's, it's like pretty damn well he's played. You know, he was 70% of the snaps last year, as I mentioned. And there is, he's not getting older. He's not losing a step. So in my opinion, you know, maybe this coaching staff sees him as a guy they want, they want on the field 60% of the time or even 50% of the time. As I've already shown you on a couple examples, that doesn't necessarily mean their fantasy value is not there. So Miles Sanders versus whoever the hell you're worried about in Philadelphia, the answer is Miles Sanders. You know, and I, and I believe his ADP is the third round. That could honestly become one of the most laughable price tags on any running back in this entire fantasy draft coming up, right? When we look back at it and we say, wow, this guy was available in the third round or, you know, even late. Like I would happily take Miles Sanders over DeAndre Swift and um, definitely over, well, even over James Robinson. I would. I mean, that one's a little closer, but the point is, Miles Sanders is slept on. I think that, in all honesty, I would take Miles Sanders maybe in the late one. Like, at least that's where I, you know, I might not spend that on him. But in terms of, like, where I value him, yeah. I think he's a top, I think he's a top 10, top 12 running back. Easily, easily. So, low-end RB1 is, I think, his floor to be honest. So yeah, so Miles Sanders is that guy. And then another interesting um, kind of tandem thing is, is what's going on in Tampa, right? You've got, you've got your um, Ronald Jones available in the fifth round and you've got Leonard Fournette in the sixth. I mean, to me, that one's very interesting, right? I think Ronald Jones is entering a contract year. And Leonard Fournette, just another one-year deal, right? So the intent there shows us, hey, they wanted Roger. I mean, they wanted Fournette. You know, they they at least wanted him, but they didn't want him that much, right? Because it's a one-year contract for not very much money, and they still got Ronald Jones. And um, you know, I think that that one. My personal opinion on that is, I don't really want either one at those prices, you know, just like, it just kind of makes me a little bit nervous, right? So if I had to choose 
I guess it'd be Ronald Jones, you know, but I'm going to find something else to do with my fifth round picks. And that's just kind of my overall opinion on that. What about the, another one I want to touch on is the Raiders and Kenyon Drake. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake for the Raiders, like what that one's all about. So if we go back to the most important word of my, you know, the way I look at fantasy is intent, right? In this particular situation, the intent part gets a little tricky, right? And why is that? Because of course, they they spent a first round pick on Josh Jacobs, right? And, you know, no doubt about it. Um, Josh Jacobs is a really good football player. When you're talking about taking him in the second round versus Kenyon Drake in the sixth round, my money's on Drake. My money's on Drake there because Drake is a more complete back from the standpoint of a better receiver, even though I know Jacobs can catch and all that stuff. I get that. Joshua Jacobs, behind a pretty good offensive line last year, didn't even average four yards a carry. Devontae Booker cashed in in free agency after performing well behind that same offensive line. You know, and I, I mean, yeah, I say cashed in. I don't mean like he broke the bank, but he was a guy that couldn't really find a spot to play. You know, and now he is in New York with the Giants, and, and they're they're happy to have him. You know, they paid him pretty good. I think it was like six million for two years or whatever. But but yeah, you know that that's um, so. My take on this one is I would prefer to stay away from Jacobs in round two. I could end up regretting that, and I loved Jacobs last year, and he was a good fantasy player and all that but i just i'm leaning more towards Kenyon drake in the middle of round six yeah um what about green bay with aaron jones and aj dylan i think that one is very very interesting right because aaron jones obviously um signed the big money deal you know and that's that's someone that the word intent again is going to lead us straight to aaron jones but i'd say not so fast because the same word could lead us as well to A.J. Dillon, right? Aaron Jones right now has an ADP of very early round two, first pick of round two to be exact. A.J. Dillon is going early round six. I think that Aaron Jones is obviously the right answer here, okay? But this is very similar to the Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, situation of last year, right? The only difference is we had seen Kareem Hunt be a legit RB1 for multiple years, right? And in, in, with his time in Kansas City, whereas AJ Dillon, we're having to trust our college evaluation of him along with, you know, a little bit of what he did last year. And he did flash in a big way last year. I believe it was against Tennessee in that game. He played phenomenally well once. But the obvious answer here is Aaron Jones. But I want to I want to say in terms of who's the better value, right? But I do think that it's important to mention that um, A.J. Dillon doesn't just have upside. He has league winning upside because if you spend a six-round pick on him and – anything happens to Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon looks anything like what we saw in Tennessee that night or in green Bay against Tennessee that night, you, 
you've got a bona fide RB1, right? I mean, it's a little bit different than what we always saw with Jamal Williams, right? You Like, if anything happened to Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams didn't leap up into RB1 territory. You know, maybe a mid-range – he was, you know, mid-range RB2 at that point, right? But in A.J. Dillon's case, he is a guy that's going to seriously benefit from – more touches, right? Like 25 to 35 touches a game for this 240 pound monster, you know, like he's that kind of guy. He'll only get better as the game goes on. And we saw in that little, you know, flash from last year that he's a very good fit schematically in green Bay. He tested explosive as hell as an athlete. He was awesome last year. So um, I will say the, as far as who's the better value, it's Aaron Jones, yeah, because you know what you're getting, right? It's just so safe, so easy. You know, I mean, like AJ Dillon could be a guy you draft in the sixth round, and as far as his floor goes, he could be a guy that you never can start, not even flex. He might that might happen. I don't think that'll happen, but it could. And. You know, so for that reason, I'll say Aaron Jones, but 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 there's also the flip side of that where AJ Dillon might just be a league winner, you know, and you're not getting that in the sixth round very often, right? That's that's what we need to be aware of, you know, from that standpoint. And another one I want to talk about is the Arizona Cardinals, right? You got Chase Edmonds, and you have um, where is he here? James Conner. So right away. The word intent comes to mind, right? And the and the one I'm going to say because we don't really have that word properly aligned with Chase Edmonds, right? Chase Edmonds had a phenomenal game in the 2019 season, and Cliff Kingsbury and company traded for Kenyon Drake, right? So that shows us right away they're not necessarily all that high on Chase Edmonds, even though he basically took David Johnson's job at least for that game. But what we do know is their intent with James Conner was not a four-year, you know, $24 million deal or whatever it was. It, it was a one-year late in the process for a couple million, you know, nothing, right? So what that sort of quietly screams to me is that James Conner is going to be a short yardage, you know, he's going to be the... He's going to be there to do the things that Chase Edmonds can't do. And when you look at Chase Edmonds and how he fits into this scheme, and we know that especially because we've seen it, he can do it all except for be a big, strong guy that gets a yard when he needs a yard. You know, So like, I think that James Conner is going to be the popular upside pick at this spot. And James Conner is going at the, in the, at the top of round eight, whereas Chase Edmonds going around six. I absolutely love Chase Edmonds in round six, and that's definitely the answer here. Okay, I know James Conner, we're going to all think about like the good years he had in Pittsburgh and, you know, the flash and all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is this. It's my opinion that James Conner, and we can use the amount of money they gave him and how they, how they proceeded to, you know, sign him, meaning late in the process for not very much money, we can use that as an indicator of how much they thought they quote unquote needed him. And 
you know, kind of put two and two together as to what their intent is with him. I think it's going to be to to be the big back that's in there in short yard situations and to possibly, you know, who knows what happens. Maybe he has some upside, that kind of signing. Whereas Chase Edmonds, I think will get, I think the snap percentage of percentage of snaps they play will be more like 55, 45 in, in favor of Edmonds. But I think that Chase Edmonds will be the guy that gets the touches. I think, um, you know, like if there's a, so maybe they they might trust James Conner more in pass protection scenarios, and in that case, Chase Edmonds, you know, head to the bench, and Conner will be in there to to protect. But when it comes to touches, I think it'll be more of a seventy thirty split in favor of Chase Edmonds. So, to me, Chase Edmonds is far and away the better value and just the flat out guy to own in um, in Arizona. And then last one I want to talk about, and this one's kind of strange because they were almost worthless last year was the Buffalo Bills tandem of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Right now, Singletary is uh, being drafted in the eighth round. Zach Moss is going in the 10th. Okay. So I think that it's interesting to say, um, Oh, there's actually one more I want to talk about after this. Sorry. So I think it's, it's interesting to say like, you know, Singletary played almost 60% of snaps last year. But there was rumors that Buffalo was going to take a running back early in this draft. They ended up not taking one at all. But I could see why they would do that, right? They don't want Josh Allen to get killed. You know, they want to hand the ball to running backs more often. And I get that. Um, But I think that Zach Moss in the 10th round is a better value than Devin Singletary. The reason for that is because Singletary – for whatever it was last season, just didn't quite get it done. You know, it just wasn't all that great. He was really good as a as a rookie, but the fact that Zach Moss, you know, had his injury issues and I believe even had fumble issues and, and they just kept, you know, putting him in the game and the workload was relatively equal. I think they're more confident in Zach Moss moving forward or – you know, as a guy that I think they they just think can do more for them, you know, and, and if they ever want to get back to being or having that dimension of a big, strong running team as well, well, Zach Moss is going to be the guy. And Zach Moss can really catch, you know. So I, I had Zach Moss very high in my running back rankings that year. So, you know, so I personally am high. And I was also very high on Devin Singletary coming out. But I think – if he comes to Singletary in round eight, Zach Moss in round 10, I think that because Singletary was so underwhelming as the quote-unquote lead back there last year, I'm leaning more towards Zach Moss in round 10 uh, as the better value there. So the last one I want to talk about is Philip Lindsay in Houston or David Johnson, right? So David Johnson is right now going in the sixth round. Um, I can tell you just to, to spoil the, the fun of this, that's way too early for me, right? I'm not, and I know he is actually a guy that was like top five in snaps, uh, snap percentage last year, but that was under a different regime, number one, and they didn't have Philip Lindsay. And I know they also have Mark Ingram, but I'm, you know, honestly, I'm not so sure Mark Ingram's going to make that team. And if he does, 
And if if he's a guy that plays, it could be a total crapshoot of a you know of a running back room there in terms of for fantasy purposes, right? Because I could see them just having a three headed monster there, and it's not necessarily much of a monster. But um, but yeah, I mean, Philip Lindsay is going in the ninth round, late nine, early ten, and I think that he's a guy that could slowly but surely be their workhorse back and maybe their best player honestly like when you look at their team you know they don't they don't exactly have a ton of weapons on the offensive side of the ball and i think philip Lindsay, you know is their best um i think he's just their best player best running back at the position at this point in time in their career so i would i like Lindsay in round nine you know especially if it's it's close to round 10 it's like later round nine so so yeah i mean i'm a big fan of Lindsay there david johnson for me is not a guy that I'm coveting, you know. I mean, especially at the six. In my opinion, David Johnson, the sixth round, is outrageously overpriced. Outrageously, you know. Like, I mean, there are plenty of guys, Travis Etienne, you know, being one of them that I would much prefer over David Johnson in round six. So, um, I hope I answered and went over everybody, and that's uh, kind of in this running back duo value range of topic we're talking about today. Um, And that's the end of the podcast. So I will talk to you guys later on. Peace.